Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey now, clones, welcome to our daily jungle. Hope your Thursday was good. Mine was because it was my Friday. Uh-huh. Hey-o! Hey-o! But before I shove off for a long weekend, we did have ourselves a nice day. At least better than the Cavs, who had KD and the Warriors rip their heart right out of their chest last night. Sam Amick from USA Today was here to break it all down. Also today, we had a conversation with LA Rams GM Les Snead. He talked about his team with Sean McVay now at the helm. And NBA draft prospect Derek White, who told me his incredible story. He goes into high school as a 5'4", 95-pounder. Now he's an NBA draft prospect. All of that and Alvi's incredible four-day week that was. Let's get it. Warriors now inbound, and this game is over. And the longest postseason winning streak in American sports history belongs to the Warriors. And more importantly, they lead the Cleveland Cavaliers 118 to 113. The perfect postseason continues. The Warriors are 15 and 0, and will try to close out the series here in Cleveland on Friday night. Damn straight. Warriors Radio. <laughs> Let's be real about this, C-Town. Let's be real about this. The land. Catastrophic, soul-snatching loss for the Cavaliers. Golden State ripped out their heart and showed it right to them. The Cavs hit the Warriors with their best shot, and the Dubs didn't even blink. Didn't even back up. The Cavs thought they had won that game. Thought they had pulled it within a game in the series, and were right back in it. Instead, they gas out. They go into the tank late, and now they're down 3-0, and they're about to be swept. And looking at LeBron's body language on the floor, and listening to what he told the media after the game, you could see where he was frustrated and demoralized. And I can't say that I blame the guy. He and Kyrie Irving were out there killing themselves. The two of them go off for a combined 77, and they still lose. (laughs) That is brutal. No wonder LeBron spent most of his postgame presser saying, I did everything I could. I couldn't do any more than I did. I laid it all on the floor, and I, and I, I did that tonight. Gave everything that I had, both mentally and physically, so obviously I'm drained right now. I'm ready to get home, but you know, you're going against a team like this, and you, uh, you put together a game like we had where we had an opportunity. Um, it's definitely draining. In other words, I did everything I could. I am drained. I'm ready to go home. I couldn't do any more. He could have said the exact same thing, though, about Kyrie. But those two dudes aren't beating Golden State playing two on five, especially playing the minutes that they played. But then again, what choice did their coach Ty Lue have? While Steve Kerr rested Steph Curry and Kevin Durant to make sure they still had their legs late, Lue could not afford to take LeBron out of that game. Because when he did, the Cavs completely unraveled. So Ty Lue leaves LeBron and Kyrie out there to play nearly 46 and 45 minutes respectively. Of course they gassed out. Of course they stopped attacking the rack. Of course, they started to settle for low percentage jumpers late. They had nothing left, no fuel, and now no hope and no chance. Listen, the Cavaliers are good. They're very good, and they're proud. And the last thing they want is to be swept and have the Warriors celebrate this historic beatdown and championship in their house. But to me, that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't see the Cavs getting up off that mat because the Warriors are not taking their gas off that pedal. They learned their lesson last year when they blew that 3-1 lead. And they've heard about that every single day since. They'll be looking to choke these guys out and finish on Friday. Just as you know, they're looking to finish the postseason 16-0 and and secure their place in history. And it's always great to clinch in front of your home fans. But in this case, 
not as good as it would be to clinch in front of the other guy's fans. They don't want to go back. I can't say that I blame them. They're looking to finish this thing to a 16 and 0. That was a gut wrench or a gut punch and a catastrophic loss for the Cavaliers, who you know thought won the game. In the meantime, you got Kevin Durant. Not that this is news to anybody who has paid any attention to the NBA for the past decade, but Kevin Durant is freaking cold-blooded. And no, this is not his so-called coming-out party. This is not Durant going to the next level. This is who this guy has always been, a freaking assassin. He just never had a chance to run with the type of dudes that he's running with right now. And despite being in the finals once before and being a league MVP, he's never had a chance to do what he's doing on this big of a stage. And he knows that just as he knows it's his time. And this is why he went to Golden State to do this. This cat is a killer. That walk-up three with 45 seconds left to give Golden State a one-point lead was the ultimate dagger and never in doubt. Or as Durant himself said, he had been working on that shot and preparing for it his entire life. And when he rose up, all he could see was the bottom of the net. Carver for three. He missed it. Durant's got the rebound. 50 seconds to go for the Warriors. They're down by two. Durant up the left side. Calls his own number down. And he hit a three. Durant hit a three. The Warriors lead by one. 114-113 with 42 seconds to go. Again, I've done this a long time. And I've got no dog in this fight. I really don't care who wins. But I've got to say, that was an amazing moment. That was incredible. That was cold-blooded. I mean, that was so badass. For him to just walk up, walk that ball up, size them up the way he did, and stab that entire city in the heart, you could just see the life sucked right out of that building. The life sucked right out of LeBron. Suck it up, LeBron. I mean, it's not LeBron's fault at all. But you could just see the life being sucked out of him in that town when Katie dropped that dagger. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that there's been a changing of the guard, that Durant just went by LeBron, and now he's the best player in the world. Listen, LeBron is still LeBron. And before you get all hot takey with it, think about what this discussion would be if you had the two of those guys switch teams. That said, Durant has been an absolute monster in this series. He deserves a ton of praise for what he's doing on both ends of the court. And most of all, for showing up the way he has. One thing to sign with Golden State. Another to absolutely own it and dominate it the way he has when he knew he'd end up here eventually. Steve Kerr afterwards. We've seen a lot of things. Now remember, Steve Kerr played with Michael Jordan. Steve Kerr played on the San Antonio Spurs. Steve Kerr has been a part of a number of championships. He's coached them to one. He has seen a lot of amazing players. But even he had to admit, he hasn't seen too many things like what he saw last night from Kevin Durant. You can tell this is, he knows this is his moment. You know, he's, um, he's been an amazing player in this league for a long time. And I think he's, um, you know, he senses this is his, his time, his moment, his team. Um, and when I say his team, I mean, you know, it's not literally just his team. It's, it's you know, we got a, we've got a group around him that can help him. Uh, and create space for him with the shooting and, and, the, and the playmaking. And I think he's having the time of his life out there. Listen, it's not his team. It's not his team. And you can see where Steve Kerr walked that back almost as soon as he said it. But it is his time. And again, it's one thing to put yourself out there and to sign with those guys. But you still have to create. And you still have to execute. And you still have to finish. And this guy's just made for this moment. I mean, he is cold-blooded. And they just have way too much firepower. LeBron said it as much. He's never gone up against anybody like this. They've got too much firepower. 
I mean, they played as well as they possibly could. They put it all out there, and it still was not enough. They gassed out. 1-800-636-8686. So hit me up right now. What do you think is going to happen in Game 4? Do you think the Cavaliers will have at least enough energy left now, enough heart, enough pride, enough guts, whatever you want to call it, enough to find a way to grind this thing out so they're not humiliated and embarrassed and swept out on their own floor, and they don't have to watch them celebrate on their home floor? Sam Amick, back in the jungle. Sam, good morning. What's up? How are you? Rome, you're doing great. Thanks for having me, buddy. Sam, great talking to you, always. Thanks for doing it. Now, let's go back to before the game started. Sam, last year, Golden State won the first two games in Oakland. Then they got blown out in Game 3 in Cleveland. How much of that was on their minds going to last night's game? Yeah, I mean, they talked about it a ton. And, and my thing was this, you know, in terms of the psychological aspect of the game, they couldn't have asked for a, a kind of a better before and after scenario where, to me, as a competitor, as, a, as an athlete, like, you have that direct evidence of last year. You knew what happened when you let go of the rope, as Steph Curry always likes to say, where they let up in game three. Obviously, this is before all the drama. You know, no Draymond Green suspension. All that stuff happened later. It was just old-fashioned butt-kicking where the Cavs got one of those Ws that ultimately got them the championship. Um, so these guys give them a ton of credit. The Warriors locked in last night. They withstood the early force, you know, hit some early threes with Durant and Clay getting going and, and they were they were in the game and then from there just kept chipping away clones i need to talk to you about a company very important to me stamps.com stamps.com saves you time and money which you can use to grow your business i can mail any letter any package using just my computer and printer and the mailman picks it right up i can avoid the hassle of the post office and mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages domestic or international stamps.com brings all the services of the u.s postal service right to your fingertips Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. I use Stamps.com for a number of reasons, but most of all, because I hate going to the post office. And I'll never do it ever again. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the very top of the homepage. Type in Rome. Stamps.com. Enter Rome. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office ever again. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to your daily jungle. Sam Amick joining us. I'm going to go back to the Cavaliers in a minute, Sam, but you mentioned Steph Curry. Steph was not 100% healthy last year in the finals, but his reputation took a hit last year after losing. And as you've talked about on your podcast, he's a guy who burns very hot beneath the surface. So how do you think he responded to the pain of last year? And what do you make of the way he's approached things this year? He's been fantastic. You know, I mean, he last year he was very reticent to like a lot of guys, you know, to talk about the health stuff. But people around him were a little bit more forthcoming in the idea that he just wasn't himself. And I know that for a lot of folks, that's a tough narrative to sell because there were individual games where he was fantastic. But then there were others where he just didn't look good. And then he ultimately doesn't play in Rio in the Olympics, partly because of the knee. He was so tired and wanted to recover. The guy this year is much closer to the back-to-back MVP version of who Steph Curry has become, and even more so late in the year. You know, He had to find his way with Kevin Durant, get that synergy going, and late in the year when Kevin gets hurt, Steph, I think it kind of gave him a chance to step forward again and wear that old hat. And then in the playoffs, those two guys were just in lockstep. Uh, I mean, he's, he's fantastic right now. 
And I think if they finish this thing tomorrow night, that whole finals MVP discussion will be pretty interesting because to me, he and Kevin are just neck and neck right now. Sam Amick, NBA insider for USA Today Sports, joining us. So what about tomorrow night? Do you think they will finish tomorrow night? I have to think so. I was just thinking about that question before you called. And, you know, I just think that the Cavs and how demoralized they looked last night, they were crushed. You know, I mean, they, they gave their best shot, Kyrie and LeBron, were so good uh, at the same time. And then all of a sudden, you just get reminded that the other team just happens to have one more star than you do. Uh, you know, and, and it's just, I don't know how they recover from that. I don't know how they now match the kind of force that the Warriors are going to presumably come with because of what they have at stake. You know, they learned the hard way last year. We all know the story. They let it get away. And so if you're the Warriors, you not only want to, I think they would love to finish on the Cavs' home floor like they did two years ago. And, you know, the infamous uh, locker room smell like champagne type of stuff. And, and not only that, they know they have history on the line as well. And I know they say they don't care about 16-0, but it would sure be a nice little perk if they could do it tomorrow night. Sam Amick joining us. So LeBron and Kyrie last night, Sam, take turns going nuts. The Cavs lead by six with just over three minutes to go. At that point, did you feel like the Cavaliers were going to win that game and then make things interesting? Or were you concerned about how much effort they had to exert to be in that position? Yeah, I mean, you wondered about the fatigue for sure. Uh, I thought they were going to win it, and I thought, to be honest, that it was going to be largely related to the foul trouble that was going on. Draymond Green gets his fifth, you know, with a lot of time left in the game. And that's one of the things to me that, okay, the Cavs just simply don't have the talent that the Warriors have, and so you, you kind of let them off the hook in that department. But in terms of just execution and decision-making, I don't quite understand how they didn't make more of a concerted effort to get Draymond out of the game. You know, he was running hot in ways that he has not been in these playoffs. He got the technical, seemed like he almost might have gotten a second tech. You know, if they could have found a way to get Draymond out, that would have been a game changer. We've seen that story before. And there were multiple drives late in the game where they, the Cavs were so hell-bent <clears throat> excuse me, on their system on drive and kick, even LeBron, where you had Draymond, you know, guarding the rim, and, and you, you know, if you attack the rim, he's either going to get out of your way because he's got five, or you're going to get him out of the game. That, that puzzled me. Now, in terms of their system, what do you make of this notion, Sam, that the Cavs have resisted the idea of slowing down the pace after the first couple of games? I mean, what do you make of that approach? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a bold approach. You know what I mean? It's the idea that you think you can run with this Warriors team while playing at a fast pace. And it was basketball in the first half when they tried to do it because they were great and the Warriors were great. And, it was good theater, but it, you, know, you kind of mentioned earlier, you saw the collective toll that it took on the Cavs. Fatigue-wise, they don't have the horses that the Warriors have. They don't have the depth. And so over the course of the marathon of a game, you know, the Warriors end up prevailing. And then in the end, it certainly slowed down. And you saw, to be honest, why a lot of people thought they should have slowed it down in the first place, because they had more success when they were slowing it down. There was a lot of that last year in their four wins and route to the championship at a much slower pace. Uh, you know, I don't think the stubbornness was the way to go with Ty Lue and those guys deciding to, to try to beat the Warriors at their game. It obviously didn't work. Sam Amick joining us for a few more moments. You know, Sam, you could see the, as you mentioned, the body language from LeBron. You could see how frustrated he was, understandably so. So if you're LeBron, how are you feeling right now after playing nearly 46 minutes, doing absolutely everything you possibly could? You play lights out and you still lose, and now you're on the verge of being swept. What do you think is going through his mind? It's just, you know, on the one hand, he knows and he talks a lot about how he's not in the business of silencing Chris anymore, and he, his legacy certainly is intact. You know, this could have added to it if he were knocked out a Warriors team like this. But I think 
it, you know, he, the frustration, I'm sure, never goes away. Uh, it reminds me of two years ago, not a sweep, certainly six games in, instead of potentially four, but just an incredible individual performance where you know you got a one-man show that is just unbelievable, but he just doesn't have enough help until the Warriors ended up winning. You know, and, and even Andre Iguodala getting finals MVP, a little bit like Kawhi Leonard, you know, a couple of years ago as well. Like the MVP is going to the guy who had a moderate amount of success slowing down LeBron James. And so his greatness is well known, uh, but the guy's in the business to win championships. And, you know, it's got to be tough at this point looking at maybe a three and five record in the finals. See, the thing is, Sam, he's not getting enough help. And in some cases, no help whatsoever. Like Tristan Thompson. Right. This guy averaged more than 10 points and 10 rebounds in last year's final. He has 8 points and 11 rebounds total in this series. By comparison, <clears throat> Steph Curry has got 29 rebounds in three games. How do you explain what's happened to Tristan Thompson? Is it something the Warriors are doing to him, or is it something else? They are definitely doing a lot to him. And I think one underrated aspect of the series is the work that Zaza Pachulia has done. It's ironic because in, in terms of just looking at the box score, Nothing Zaza has done is impressive. There's not much impact there. But there, with Zaza and their bigs, they have decided to gang up on Tristan, bully him, make sure he's not beating them on the glass. That's why Steph is getting so many rebounds and the guards are winding up corralling the ball. The Warriors' bigs are not even worrying about the board. They're just taking out Tristan, and it's working, and it's worked the entire series, and he's just getting brutalized. I mean, there was a situation after the game last night where the Cavs fans were all over Tristan, screaming at him about zero points. And I think there was even a little dust-up where somebody started swinging. Um, so it's it's not a good final for Tristan. And it was two years in a row where he was an impact player. I think he averaged 13-10 and 10, uh, two finals ago. And then, like you said, 10-10 and 10 last year. It's been a much different story this time around. So Sam, one last thought. What do you think the rest of the league, and in particular players around the league, who could become free agents this summer or next summer, what do they all think as they're watching Golden State do what they're doing right now? I, I, I think there's got to be a league-wide kind of shrugging of the shoulders, and, and I'm sure internal conversations about how do we fix this, what are we going to do? You know, the one scenario that I keep bringing up, kind of a case study in and the way, the idea that maybe star players might need to recalibrate how they're thinking about their future plans is like a Chris Paul, where everybody conceivably thought for sure re-signing with the Clippers, so much more money in L.A. He loves L.A. and that whole thing. But if he competitively thinks that going to San Antonio might help bridge the competitive gap between a team like that and the Warriors, then who knows? Maybe he surprises us and he does it. Uh, there are not that many players who don't play for Golden State or Cleveland who you know, could get together and form a team that would have a, a crack at this. And that's where the league is in a tough spot. You know, and the backstory, of course, is that that one-time salary cap spike that, that is never going to happen again that allowed Kevin Durant to come to the Warriors, it's, you know, it's created a hell of a team here where normally a guy like that just wouldn't have gone that direction. We are joined by GM Les Snead. Les, good to talk to you once again. How are you? I'm good. How about you, Jim? Good. Good, Les. Thanks for the visit. Today is your 10th OTA, so after all the work, Les, that you've done since the end of the regular season when it comes to the draft and putting together that roster, how good is it to have guys back on the field and playing once again? The, the, the putting them on, as, as our head coach like to say, on the grass is, is always the is – your, is your favorite time as a GM, as a coach, because that's when they're, they're playing football. All those other, uh, you know – Key dates on the calendar, whether it's a combine, whether it's a draft, is is is, is doing things non-football related. So this is when you actually get to put the orchestra together. And after ten days, you 
you've got Wade Phillips, you've got Sean McVay, you've got two new in new offense, new defense. So, you know, as this group learns their plays and over the course of 10 days, you know, going from thinking to actually executing, it's fun to see. Les Need joining us. You know, you mentioned those two guys. So you said something I thought was very interesting after the draft, Les, when you said, quote, when you get in the bunker with people and you work with them, especially like we have probably over the past pretty intensely last four weeks, that's where chemistry is built, end quote. So what was it like to go through the draft preparation process with your new head coach, Sean McVay? Oh, it, you know, it it was great, and and I think I I think I I added to that quote that I'm sure every organization, corporations, teams, schools, what have you, you love to try to figure out these team building uh, type extracurricular activities, and and I've always felt that hey, when you actually sit down and and have a certain set of tasks to complete and have to work together to complete them that's the true chemistry that's being in the bunker that's when you know you can you can turn your back that's when an offensive you know tackle knows what his guards doing so but being able the nice thing about it is you come in hey here's a new coach here's a new offense and as you work together to hire coaches scout players for free agency scout your own players who do you like who do you don't what do you need and then go to the draft you're learning what sean were what wade what they're looking for in each player at each position to you know execute the things they want to get accomplished less need general manager of the rams joining us you know less obviously sean mcveigh is a really different guy different in the sense that He's a 30-year-old head coach. So what do you know about him, or what kind of thoughts do you maybe have about him that you didn't have before you went through that process with him? You know, it, it, it's, you, you brought up 31. I think from, let's call it the first time I called a player who he was actually coaching with the Redskins to the interview process to going through what we just talked about, that whole uh, moment in the bunker, you know what? You never think 31. I don't even know if you think 40, 50, 20. What you do think is, okay, wait a minute. This guy's a special leader. He's very smart, especially when it comes to football and what he wants and how he wants to accomplish it. And, and there's an ultra-passion enthusiasm for the game, and not only for the game, but how to prepare for the game. Les Need joining us. He's a special leader. That's interesting. And in that game, at that position, quarterback, for instance, you need another special leader. So you've gone back, you've evaluated Jared Goff's rookie season. You know, it, at the end of the day, does he strike you as a guy who's going to have the special leadership ability? And what kind of observations do you have as you look back at his first year? Well, you, you look back, I mean, if you start at first year, obviously, hey, guess what? Los Angeles Rams come back to Los Angeles, trade up to the one pick. That's kind of a a Los Angeles thing to do. So he kind of walks into to L.A. being, a, you know, let's call it a red carpet moment. And then, hey, he spends uh, time behind, uh, you know, Case Keenum, and then we insert him, and then at the end of the season doesn't go so well. So you go from that red carpet moment to, uh-oh, like we all do in life, every one of us, every listener right now, you, Jim, myself, Things didn't go the way you really wanted it to, so now you've got that adversity. What what you learned about Jared through that is number one is hey he doesn't blink, it doesn't bother him in a sense that 
hey, what happened doesn't affect what he's going to do to try to fix what happened. And I think that's what quarterbacks needed. I don't think there was a day he took off. I don't know if he left Southern California. I don't know if he left the Valley except to go down to Orange County and and work with the group, uh, Tom House and his group down there. But he spent a lot of time in our building, hey, getting to know the players who were still still coming around for treatments, workouts, what have you, getting to know our new coaches as they came in. There wasn't a day he took off. And the most important thing, there wasn't a moment where last year's unsuccessful start to his career affected how he's preparing to be successful the rest of the way. Les Nee joining us. So, Les, when you look at him right now, do you feel like he's come back as a different player and then secondarily, what are you looking to see from him in games that will let you know that he has taken the next step? You know, I think he's definitely a different player. I think go, anytime you, you get to take snaps in this league, you're going to learn something, whether you like it or not. Because this is, you know, this is a really, really, really competitive uh, football league in terms of, hey, the, let's call it the best 32 teams, the best players making up those 32 teams. But I think what, what you've, you've seen in OTAs is, hey, he turned 22, so we went from 21 to 22. Uh, he also had to learn a new offense. But in that, in learning the new offense from the ground up, uh, has been really beneficial to him. I think he's been able to absorb it, and we've seen from, let's call it, our first uh, mini camp through the OTAs, and we'll do we'll do our second mini camp next week. You've now seen him go to where he's processing things quicker, not thinking about them, not thinking about what Sean wants him to do, but actually coming to the line of scrimmage and knowing what he wants to do. And I think the next step will be when you actually go play an you know an opponent, a, a group, of, if you want to call it an enemy for the day, who actually there's going to be 11 people out there trying to disrupt what you want to do and I think that's where that's the next step in this process is is him being able to go out and execute those moments. Lesney joining us for a few more moments you mentioned Wade Phillips he comes in as your defensive coordinator this guy's made defenses better everywhere he has been knowing that Lesson, when you look at the pieces that you have on that side of the ball how excited are you about the potential of the defense? Yeah that's that that is you know, I can't tell you how excited I am because if we've done anything right good around here it's been the defense of late and that's that's still a strength of our team even though we're definitely working to improve the offense but as you work to improve the offense hey there's new pieces there's younger parts even though we added a you know an Andrew Whitworth things like that but the defense is still going to be a catalyst that carries us and having Wade come in, who's, I think we can all say that, I mean, I've seen what's been written and, uh, and I've done the research on, you know what, everywhere he goes, the defensive definitely improved. So the nice thing is we've got a good defense now with Wade, and he likes to say this, guess what, let's make it great. Let's take it from good to great. And I, I don't think that's an unrealistic uh, expectation based on, you know, based on what we've done defens- defensively in the past and what Wade's been able to do in the past. Les, Aaron Donald missed the first couple of OTAs because of conversations surrounding his contract. So what was your reaction when that happened? And then where do things stand right now? You know, I think, you know, I really have nothing to, to update based on, you know, what I said earlier in that, you know what, we're definitely working with his representation to try to, uh, you know, adjust his contract and, and give him the raise that I mentioned at the combine. So we're still working with that. I think I, I said it at the at the beginning of the process. Respect Aaron, 
respect uh, his representation and respect the process, and that's what you have to do in these situations. But I, I definitely, hey, Aaron's a big piece of the puzzle. We want him to be around for a long time, and, and we're trying to get that done as we speak. All right, so I hear what you're saying, and with respect to that, do you expect him to be present for the mandatory minicamp next week? You know what that you know that's next week so we'll we'll see again that's we had OTAs now we got a, a mandatory mini camp and then we got training camp and, and again those are all pieces of the puzzle and the process so we're, we're not to there yet so we'll wait and see. It, let's, before I let you go, I'm an LA native so I kind of a kick out of you mentioning the Valley in Orange County. You spent a lot of time in Alabama, in Georgia, then Missouri. So what's it been like spending time in Southern California and how's that adjustment gone for you? Well, it, it, uh, interestingly, coincidentally, right, uh, the part of Alabama I grew up is the, is the southern part, so we, we actually called that L.A. because it was lower Alabama. Hmm. But as you can imagine, uh, whether it's Georgia, Atlanta, whether it's St. Louis, Missouri, uh, it's, a, it's a 180. But I've always, you know, when you've been in football, uh, I've gotten to travel to, to the West Coast a good bit in the scouting world. So I've always been a major, major southern california fan especially when you come from those states and you know depending on the weather you land here and, and it's blue skies and and especially when during those high pressure days take the june gloom out of it those high pressure blue sky really sunny days you can't you can't you know that's it's indescribable i would say preach you can't beat it one last thought you know i picked up less a peloton bike recently i love this thing now i know you've been known to hop on a stationary bike and put a beating on the pedals when you're on yours are you constantly thinking about the roster and how to squeeze out more wins or can you just shut that thing off for a moment and just ride what's your approach you know what it, i it's it's i got two different approaches and one is this uh, i'm in my office chatting with you so to my right is is a is a stationary bike and even to the right is a whiteboard so when i sit in my office and start watching film or reading something you know i usually then take notes onto the whiteboard of all the thoughts that come to your mind but i also have a you know i have a stationary bike in my in my residence where maybe i can you know look out over the let's call it the beautiful southern california geography and and maybe get lost in those moments but you know what i always have the cell phone on the bike with me i turn it over so i don't have to get you know have to answer every text or email but when I do have a thought pop in my head, I want to open up that notes part of that cell, you know, that iPhone and, and, and jot, you know, jot the notes down so I can remember them later. Over the years, there'd be so many bad calls and a few good calls. And I always think to myself, if I could just pick who I want to call the show, the show would be so much better. Then I could weed out all the bad calls. I could kind of like fix the deck. But you can't do that, of course. Not every day. Not... A few days. We can do it one day. One day out of the year, I can pick exactly who I want to call this program. Pit the best of the best against one another for the right to be called the best caller on the program. And you win a nice prize. It used to be a prize package with a number of different things back in the day. But then a couple of years ago, I decided, let's just go straight cash. Straight cash. Why screw around with it? Why go to our sponsors and get a bunch of packages? Let's just go straight cash. Keep it clean. Five grand of the winner. And so that's how we're doing it again, July 28th. The catch is you can't decide you're one of the best of the best. You have to actually be one of the best of the best. It's like the NCAA tournament, invite only. You got to play your way in. Very few rules here except that if you've won the event in the past, you have a lifetime exemption. 
You don't need to call during the year. You don't need to win your conference tournament. You don't need to win 20 games. You don't have to do jack except call the day of if you've won the event. So what I'm looking for are RSVPs. And I'll tell you what would be great. Some of the RSVPs have worked their way back through our back channels. If you could RSVP on the air, that'd be tremendous. I don't need a huge to-do. I don't need a smack-off type call. But just let it be known that you're coming. And give me a quick thought or two about the event this year. We already have RSVPs from the defending champ, Lef. Mike from Indy, who has won. Chael, who has won. Chael Sonnen. And Mark in Hollywood. Others that I have not yet heard from that are previous winners that are automatically exempt would include Vic in NoCal. He won this thing back in 2010. In fact, he shocked the world back in 2010. And then he made this call. Now, I just want to give you a couple of sound bites so you know what the smack off is about, what it sounds like, and if you want to be a part of it, what you're up against. Vic in NoCal last year. Clones, you better brace yourselves. Because you're about to get dominated like Marv Albert when he forgets the safe word. Alabama! Alabama! Hummingbird! Hummingbird! Mr. Miyagi! That's not the word, Marv! Oh my goodness, Jesus, I'm sorry, Rome. I don't know what got into me there, man. Vic and NoCal. He's always a factor. He's won the thing once before. I Frady. I Frady. The oldest of the old school. I afraid he's one of those guys who's got a lot going on in his life, and you never know whether or not he'll make it to the smack-off. I know this. He will never call this show ever again outside the smack-off. He's just way too busy. He's got way too important a job, but he's amazing. And when he can get clearer to make the call, he will. He won this thing in 04. He won it in 08, and he made this call last year. A bunch of posers have moved into our town and turned our smack-off into a third-rate comedy show about each other. Now, don't get me wrong, Jim. Clone-on-clone smack was always a part of the calculus. It just wasn't the entire calculus. I mean, truly, what makes you losers think that any of us want to listen to you tell imaginative urine jokes about each other for three hours? I am back, Jim, because somebody has to speak up for your program's honor. Somebody has to defend the smack-off from becoming the crack-off or the jack-off or the whack-off. I afraid I don't know if he's coming or not. In fact, knowing I Frady, I don't even know if he even knows that the Smack Off is July 28th. But it's a much better event when he does show. Brad in Corona won it in 09, won it in 2011, went wire to wire in 2015. And I have not heard that he's coming this year. I don't know. But I know that he made this call in 2014. And you know who else sucks, Jim? Guys who are just now joining one of those CrossFit places four years after it was cool. I don't care about your wad or your box or how many of those herky-jerky bastardized pull-ups you can do before blowing out your 38-year-old rotator cuff, all right? Just go work out, leave your cell phone at home, and stop acting like it's a huge surprise that you threw your back out after jerking a bunch of weight up over your head and then squatting it until you peed out your butt. If you notice the thing about these calls, they're mostly timeless. They're great calls. And you're probably thinking, wow, man, there's some fire. We don't hear this during the week, Rome. We don't get this normally. That's the whole point. These guys are the best of the best. And they've got things to do. They've got other lives. They don't show up very often anymore. They may be listening, but they don't make that call. 
not unless there's money on the table or they want the thing that is priceless. The crown that comes along with being king of smack. That's Brad and Corona. He's won it three times. Unlike the others, though, he's not quick to say, I'll be there. I'm not sure what his deal is yet. Stevie Carbone. Stevie Carbone is one of the most interesting smack-off participants. He worked for this show for a number of years, went out on his own. He's developed his own brand right now. He's got his own business. He won the event way back in 1998. It's been almost two decades since this guy won. And he made this call in 2015. And you know why that's a game changer? Because I'm in the news, sweetheart. I have a degree. You don't. I wouldn't work in the scumbag places like you do. Oh, my gosh. No education and no skill sets. Just to clarify that. I have a brain and you don't. I'm on TV and you're in effing trailers. Lose some weight, baby girls. Stevie. Stevie Carbone, 98 winner. About the guy who won it the year before. Doc Mike Detola. He did win this thing 20 years ago. Hey, Mike, that's something to think about now. Can you imagine showing up 20 years after the fact? That would set the record. Longest time between, well, I don't want to say wins because he won in 2000. But that would be very symmetrical. Imagine this guy winning in 97 and 2017. He won it in 97. He won it in 2000. Back in the day, it was pretty much Doc Mike Detola and I Afraidy. And nobody else has a shot. They were the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. But they were much closer. Doc Mike Detola made a call in 2013 to the Smack Off. Let me tell you about Jungle Bros. These are the guys who come into my dental office with no money, no pain threshold, and a severe nitrous oxide deficiency. These guys show up for an appointment, look me straight in the eye, and say, Sorry, bro, I just had lunch and didn't get a chance to brush my teeth. And I always look them right back in the eye and I say, It's all right, bro. I just dropped a deuce and didn't get a chance to wash my hands. Let's call it even. That from a dentist. Doc Mike Detola. All right, so some of these, these are some of the legends. I'm not sure how many of the guys that I just mentioned of those five that are going to be in there, but they're all invited. They're all free to call. If these guys show up day of, safe to assume they're going to get on. Vic and NoCal, Iafredi, Brad and Corona, Steve Carbone, Doc Mike Detola. Fellas, if you want to RSVP, hit me up on the phones. Just make it fast, make it quick. You don't need to do a whole big to do. Just let us know whether you're in or out. Smackoff is July 28th. We are joined by Derek White. Derek, great to have you on. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Derek, you got a great story, and I really want to get into this with you. But let me first ask you, we're two weeks away from the draft. You've been working out for teams. So what's the process been like? I mean, is it fun, or is it something you just try to get through so you can get to the draft? Uh, I'm enjoying the whole process. process. It's been cool to go to different cities and uh, check out each team's facility and whatever. So uh, I'm just trying to enjoy this because it's really a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, the fact that you and I are having this conversation about you being drafted is pretty remarkable given how far you've come. You played your high school ball at Legend High School in Parker, Colorado, and your high school coach, Kevin Bowie, said, quote, I remember distinctly, we didn't have our own gym yet. We were having practices at the local middle school. And then he said of you, and I quote, you could tell right away he was a special kind of kid. I had known about him, and once he was coming to Legend, that was a game changer for us. So take us in. What were those days at Legend like, and then what were you like as a high school player? Uh, Coach Boy, he's been a great coach and mentor to me. 
And uh, at Legend, I was I was always one of the smaller kids, uh, super undersized. I, I came in at like five four, like ninety five pounds, and so I was real small throughout high school. Uh, we just we were a brand new school, so uh, another by freshman when I came in, and then I just grew a little bit each year, uh, like six one as a senior, and we made it to the Sweet Sixteen, and uh, it was great to kind of build a the program from scratch that's something that uh, not a lot of people get to do in high school Derek White joining us I mean that's incredible you were 5'4 95 pounds coming in but you kept working on your game and then you were the best player on a very good team as a senior but as we just talked about you did not receive a single division one scholarship coming out of high school so as your time at legend was coming to a close what kind of thoughts did you have about your basketball future uh, it was it was tough because not a lot of people were recruiting me. I, I mean, I was thinking about maybe I just go to school and not play, or uh, I knew I wanted to play and continue playing basketball, but not a lot of schools were giving me an opportunity. So uh, I had a junior college junior college scholarship offer, and then UCCS offered me uh, in the summer. So uh, I was thankful enough to get that offer from UCCS and uh, just try to make the most out of my opportunity. Well, plus your father, Richard, was doing a lot of research about Division II and NAIA programs. And then Jeff Culver, who was the coach at Johnson & Wales, which is a school that's well-known for its culinary program, offered you a spot, and you were evaluating that, plus an offer from a JUCO in Wyoming. And then Culver takes the job at the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs, and then he offered you a spot there. So when you touched on that, what did it mean then to get that opportunity at that time? It was great. Uh, I've always grown up while I watched Metro State, who's in the same conference as UCCS, and all the other great uh, schools that are in the Rockman Athletic Conference. So uh, I was super excited to, to get out there and compete against some of the best Division II schools in the country. And I know it wasn't Division One, but uh, it's, a, it's still good college basketball. Derek White joining us. Well, then that became the question, right? I mean, you keep grinding, and then you're named a Division II All-American. And so by the end of your junior year, you've got a decision to make. Either you stay at UCCS or you see how your game's going to translate to Division One. What was that process like, and then what made you decide to go to Colorado? It was a difficult process. I had to talk to my family, people that I was close with, to see what were the best options for me. And I just felt like I'd done everything that I possibly could at the Division II level, and if I wanted to challenge myself as a person and as a player, so I, I had to take it to the top of college basketball, so uh, I knew that I had to transfer and uh, compete against the best. Derek White joining us, NBA pros- uh, draft prospect. The thing is, Derek, I, I get that, but at the same time, when you were at UCCS, NBA scouts were starting to express some interest, so it's not like you had to go, but you felt like you had to measure yourself. So then you show up, and you put up big numbers at Colorado, and you're an all-conference player, and one of the big questions about players coming from college to the NBA is whether they can handle that transition that comes from moving up a level. Now, you've already gone up a level from Division Two to Division One, so do you feel like you're now prepared moving on to the NBA? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a big adjustment going from D2 to D1, but uh, going from college basketball to professional basketball is going to be an even bigger adjustment. So uh, I just got to go to wherever I end up and try to learn as quick as possible. And uh, from there, I just got to adjust as soon as possible to the speed and the athleticism that I'm going to be facing. You know, Tad Boyle, who coached you at Colorado, told CBS, quote, the thing I love about Derek White, he did not get where he is with hype 
the rankings and all this bull bleep that goes on with grassroots basketball. He also went on to say, quote, he's been traveling on buses and eating at Golden Corral, and now we get to go to Outback Steakhouse, and he thinks he's at Ruth's Chris. Thanks, Coach. There's an appreciation there, end quote. It's a great thing, <laughs> great thing for him to say about you. So while maybe you don't enjoy the fact that you were overlooked coming out of high school and it wasn't easy, how much of the, the reason you are who you are right now is because of that, and then how much does that experience drive you right now? It's definitely humbling coming out of high school that uh, nobody wanted you and uh, just kind of take what you got and be thankful for it. So uh, I know that not everybody's gifted uh, to play the game of basketball, so I'm just going to try to enjoy uh, every second of it and enjoy uh, every opportunity that I get and then try to make the most out of it and take this game as far as it will take me. So have you allowed yourself to think about what it's going to feel like to hear your name called at the NBA draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be crazy, uh, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for sure, and uh, I know I'm going to be super excited that whole day. So where do you go that night? If you've moved on now from Golden Corral to Outback and you get your name called on draft night, then where do you go? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where we're going to end up. Uh, just spending with some people I'm real close with and my family uh, and just have a good time with them. It's the week that was. Hey, Rome, why are you doing that? It's not Friday. It is for me. Welcome to the jungle. What's going on, clones? My name is Jim Rome. Nice to have you on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Excellent to be here. Got a great show for you today. Let me lay it out. Let me start with game two of the NBA Finals. The Cavs are D E A D. Dead, dead, dead. You're not winning four or five against this crew. Especially since nobody is stepping up consistently to help LeBron. Are you supposed to case where you guys defend home court this point? Are you a smart guy? You're a pretty smart guy, right? What do you think? I'm just asking. Oh, and speaking of losers, Cleveland, this is for... He scores! Their kegs are going to be tapped, their red solo cups will be full, and the catfish will be on ice. I'm not sure I've ever seen anybody get down the way Smashville does. The Preds are going to win this thing tonight. Live from Smashville, Jimmy. This is crazy, Charlie. Breakfast shot, Jameson Irish whiskey, butterscotch, orange juice, and a piece of bacon. Devin Travis. Yeah, that was tough. Never been hit in my hands before. It's definitely a little scary. Told Gibby I was going to stay in and run the bases, and we'll figure it out after the inning was over. The rest of them are going down. Yeah, Roethlisberger. If you throw a drink, in my face. I will open my mouth and try to drink it. The Cuddy Sark. Get ready. Let me open my and mouth. drink the drink you're going to throw in my face. That's not happening, Kobos. There are three rules in the jungle, and if you don't enforce them, I at least respect them. <laughs> There's one. No, uh, so, um, no. He told you to be succinct. Hard for me to be distinct. And Maybe he told you to be extinct. And this uh, kid, Zach, I'm about to scarf. There's already one fake silk bra. Come on. Two is uh, one too many. Bra. Smack off 23. Arguably the most important day of the year in the jungle. Friday, July 28th. Invite only. Winner take all. You're officially on the clock right now. Winner take all. Five grand first prize. Star calling. Bobby in Smashville. Bro. I gotta correct you. My boys call me the Cracker Jack. Ah, with the sledgehammer. All the way down and in. Here come the Catfish. Dear Sidney Crosby, time, time to die. Uh-oh. Come back, Alby. Time to die. Lakers head coach Luke Walton joins us. Working out Lonzo Ball 
football tomorrow, taking him to dinner tonight. Is Pops LeVar expected to attend as well? Not to my understanding. Would you have any concerns about bringing in a player with a parent who would try to be involved or who's got opinions such as his? As you know, Jim, I have a very outspoken father myself. Sure. Horrible! That's not an issue. Tony Luffman. Rome, I am a proud clone, and I want to publicly thank you. In the summer months, I get to say... Pedro Guerrero. Pedro Guerrero. Until they bring out Carl Lewis, I will not feel like I've gotten total experience. Go to Chicago, Becky. Thanks to your overpaid intern. I know it's going to cut me off right now because he's cut me off for 20 years. 20 years. My email, phone calls. He let the phone ring 25 times yesterday. Leads Your calls are weak. Call, call yourself, yourself a car, you son of a bitch. Good caller. Bleep you. Go, go call your local your show. This is the jungle. What's your name? You. That's my Gary name. Sheffield. Strickland was a coward in that situation, and I think Posey was too. Pick your poison. I, I, but I think that the Posey thing was a disgrace. That's a grand slam, my goodness. Just hold up four fingers and point to first base. You cannot even risk throwing an intentional ball. Scooter F. Jeanette. Four bombs. Have yourself a night. you joining us. A helmet that doesn't fit properly on a growing head, braces on the teeth, and a sore buttocks. But you know, as Kurt Schilling said, a lot of these guys look like Mr. Potato Head, where the body parts just didn't match in terms of proportion. I mean, come on, media. You gotta know that by now. Just as you know, the summer of hood is over. Freebird! Yeah. Stairway! Baba! Yeah. Yeah. Seattle! Yeah. Devon House. I felt like it wasn't fair if, if I was just to go to sleep. Just imagine me being in their shoes and King Griffey Jr. access for a ride or something like that. Smile. Janet, I'm gonna put you on the gram just so I can slide into your DMs, baby. What do you say I make you a sandwich? Got some of that meatloaf from last night. You want some? I'm gonna go take out some trash. Jake and Logan will be like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm sliding into your mother's DMs. What do you think I'm doing? No! Dad! Trey Boston. Man, have you all tasted sweet and sour Skittles? These just became Ooh. my favorite candy. LOL. Well, out loud. Oh, man. I got some sweet and sour Skittles in my hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love sweet and sour Skittles. Okay, 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 I'll tell you what that means, Allie. It means he can't afford them. <laughs> oh, there you go. Calls his own number down, and he hit a three! You can just the see the life sucked right out of that building. The life sucked right out of LeBron. Suck it up, LeBron. I lay it all on the floor. I mean, it's not LeBron's fault at all. Sam Amick. They say they don't care about 16-0, but it would sure be a nice little perk if they could do it tomorrow night. Man's game. I'm not a normal uh, customer with Twitter. You're joined by GM Les Snead. So you go from that red carpet moment to uh-oh. uh-oh. Like we all do in life. Every one of us, every listener right now, things didn't go the way you really wanted it to. So now you've got that adversity. I'm just having lunch at Benny Hanna's on a mother. Thursday. You're a liar, Seth. You're not in a Benny Hanna. Indio. I'm out. Jim, thank you, my guy. Take care. Carrots still untouched. Down. Dropped a deuce. I'm the idol maker. I've got a pretty good eye for that sort of thing. Thank you so much for all that you've done to help me get here. You got it, Romy. What do you say I go upstairs and do that diaper change myself? Friday, July 28th. Alright, man. Bye, Felipe. Good night now. Alvin, thanks for picking me up. In Edmonton, jumping over the other three. Tyler, what's up? Bro, how you doing, man? Good, bud. How about you? Good, man. Just heard Matt Timo yesterday. Wanted to check in. Uh, my apologies if there is any background noise. Unlike Zach, I'm at work like 99% of the listening clones right now. I also want to congratulate Matt on finally getting on the watch list. He officially comes in the top 10 behind the likes of Sleepy Marcus, Luke and Fort Collins, and the king of taking fat chicks to fast food restaurants, Zach and Salt Lake. Matt, you should dust off your pom-poms and ask John and Little Rock if you and Cal in Vegas can team up and do the dancing portion of the halftime show. 
I will be honest, Romy, I am glad he's doing Team Canada strong and keeping up with his 37 tweets and emails per day. But let's get real. Match is no better than grouping a Canadian specimen like me with a defenseless featherweight like Dan. People make fun of Dan for being the guy who looks like a lumberjack, but I get the impression that clown would have a hard time even picking up an act. Pretty ironic he's the king of Cheerio and skinny guy smack. While I'm in, man, I'm at my limits with all the Crosby honk hot take idiots up here talking about how Ovechkin doesn't have what it takes, it's not his team. All the typical BS they can come up with after he has one average season. They did the same tired act a few years ago when he slowed down a bit under Dale Hunter. Needless to say, they all disappeared after he went 50 genos for three straight seasons. Some of these fat-ass reporters also throw out the notion he doesn't care or try hard, yet he's the only guy of this generation that's a perennial leader in points and hits. Figure that out. These guys need to save their hot garbage and quit ranting on the guy just because he isn't Canadian. Or Smashville taking home the cup. I'm out. Tyler, in Edmonton, it's always a gamble when you've got that golden ticket to call up after you get it and risk having it ripped out of your hand and have you get schmacky helicopters. That's not going to happen. He's still in. Came with a straight hockey take, cracked a few skull, clone skulls. He's still in. We still have our Canadian representation, but he ripped some valuable time off the clock. Who do we go to now from the big three? Josh in Detroit. Josh, you made it in under the gun. What's up? Roman, what's going on? What's up, Josh? You know, Zach in uh, Salt Lake City, his calls make me go to sleep just like the NBA playoffs did. Thank God I got coffee because coffee's for closers. And this is what a straight assassin sounds like. Ah, that's that's what a guy getting no. run sounds like. You don't like that. Josh, man, that was horrible. Even for you. Not a very good call. He makes me sleepy. Coffee's for closers. That's going to get you in the smack off. He makes me sleepy. Coffee's for closers. Nice try. Jacob in NorCal, you're next. Jacob, you made it in. What's going on? What's up, Rome? Thanks for the vine. This is for Zach. Hey, Mountain Man. Listen up. Who's the bigger loser? The dude scoping from his van or the dude who watches the scope and takes notes on it? See, Rome, I move the needle. Unlike Zach, he just picks him out of his lettuce living under those trees. Zach, no one in the jungle cares about Gordon Hayward and his worship pastor haircut. Applebee's to DK Lounge to Benny Hanna? Romy, this dude keeps getting fired for failed drug tests. Ah! You just got fired for calling again. I don't like that call. I don't like that call. Two down, one to go. Matt and LA, you can do it, bro. You can definitely do it. You'll get to the end of the call. You're not going to get run like those guys, right? What's up, Matt? What up, Pam? Hey, of course... Slacked in Salt Lake City recognizes bra. Have you checked out Z Dog's Twitter account and his countless, talentless musical exploits? One thing you notice, dude is rocking a double D man boob set. Hey, bro, come to LA. There's. Ah! That makes three. Fellas, give it a shot again next week. (laughs) Bam! Just like that, we're done. Thanks so much for checking in. Hit subscribe. Tell a friend. Most of all, trust that podcast. Hit up the live show tomorrow with Joey Vendetta. Check back Monday for more Daily Jungle. We'll see you then. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it. Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, Grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! 
Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.